Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today, I want to talk about practicing discipline. Now, that may seem like a hard subject, discipline, but it's a reality leaders must address. Leadership requires discipline. Now, I define discipline this way. Discipline is the ability to regulate your behavior by principle rather than impulse, by reason rather than emotion, and by long-range results rather than immediate gratification. Discipline. Think about those three phrases. Principle over impulse. It's doing what's right, not what you're urged to do in the moment. Reason rather than emotion. It's doing what's thoughtful, not what's emotional. And long-range results. It's doing what will produce the results you want over time, not give you immediate gratification. Now, discipline is also doing what's best, not what's easiest. And you're showing discipline when you choose to do difficult things and in some cases do them so long and so well that they become an ingrained habit. Now, one of the realities of being a leader is that you must develop greater levels of self-control than your followers. In fact, this is one of the differentiating qualities between leaders and followers. The level of discipline we demonstrate in organizational function and in personal deportment. Listen, there are several reasons why it's important for you to have enhanced discipline. First, you as a leader are expected to model proper behavior in many different areas. You know, ministry leaders set the pace. And we set the pace in everything, it seems, from parenting skills to personal witnessing to financial management. We are required, mandated, expected to be examples in so many different areas. And in order to do that requires discipline. Discipline is essential to model so many different areas. And listen, no leader is perfect, and no one is able to model all of these areas well. But every leader is expected to be at least an acceptable model in multiple, if not most, of these areas. That's what leadership's about. It's about setting the pace. It's about being the example. It's about getting out front. It's about saying, follow me. It is in the words of Paul in the New Testament, follow my example. Well, in order to do that, you're going to have to have a greater level of discipline than your followers. Another reason that this is essential for leaders is your behavior is limited in ways your followers' behavior is not. 
Leaders are required to be circumspect in their choices. Uh, some actions are acceptable for followers, but they're, they're not acceptable for leaders. Leaders make choices to avoid even a hint of impropriety. Uh, one good example is clothing choices. Now, I'm not about to go off on uh, any particular clothing choices today, so just relax. But clothing choices are a good example of the discipline required to lead. Leaders dress intentionally. We dress intentionally with deference to the age, the culture, and the, and the societal expectations of the people that we're going to encounter in our leadership role. And we're not obligated to dress a certain way. You don't have to wear a suit to be a pastor. You don't have to wear uh, a certain kind of clothing to be a youth pastor or to be a worship pastor or to be a seminary professor. Leaders are not obligated, but we're wise. We know that clothing choices are significant. They communicate things uh, to the people we're trying to reach or teach or lead or guide, and we recognize that we have to demonstrate self-control to accept the reality of choices like clothing choices and how they impact our leadership responsibilities. Now, that's just one example of how we think about our behavior in ways that our followers don't have to think about theirs. Here's another reason that leaders must have a heightened discipline. The workload. Look, I know everyone's busy, but leaders have demanding schedules. And they have to be very diligent in managing the commitments they make and then fulfilling those commitments. As I like to say it this way, discipline is required to control what gets on your schedule, and discipline is required to then make sure what is scheduled actually gets done. Discipline. Listen, there are many days <laughs> I wake up and I think, oh, not today. Not today. I don't want to make a podcast. I don't want to write an article. I don't want to come up with another blog. I don't want to go to another meeting. I don't want to do any more email. Oh, not today. And then... I remember I'm the leader, and I have a workload of scheduled commitments that are essential to fulfilling my responsibilities, so I get up and I get moving. Again, not because I want to, but because I know I must. And then finally, leaders must be more self-controlled and have greater discipline than their followers because they often work with very little supervision. You know, ministry leaders particularly often have wide latitude in determining their schedule, activities, projects, methods, use of time. Uh, pastors particularly are often largely on their own with very little direct supervision. And this freedom from external control, it requires a leader to be disciplined to do the right thing and even to take steps to create the necessary structures to help them stay on task. Well, 
what I've tried to say here in the opening is discipline can be defined. It, it is principle over impulse. It's reason over emotion. It's long range over immediate. That's discipline. And we must be disciplined. In fact, we must be more disciplined than our followers because we are models and examples in many different areas. Our behavior is essential in being effective to reach and teach and accomplish the work that we're trying to do. Our schedules are demanding, and so our workload means we have to be disciplined to even get it accomplished. And finally, we don't have a lot of close supervision. Therefore, we must be disciplined to make sure that we get our work done. Now, having said all that, let me now go on to another topic, and that is that discipline is a spiritual issue. One of the passages in the Bible that puzzles me on the surface is Galatians 5, 22 and 23, which lists the fruit of the Spirit. These fruit are the results of allowing the Holy Spirit to influence, uh, dominate, or control our lives. When the Holy Spirit is at work in us and his work is demonstrated through us, these fruit appear. The last one on the list is self-control. Now, on the surface, this seems like a contradiction. Discipline Self-control is a spirit-produced quality. How can the spirit produce something that's of self? The self part is the puzzling part. If self-control or self-discipline is spirit-produced, then what part does the self play if it's self-control? Shouldn't it be spirit-control? But that's not what the Bible says. So, puzzling over this seeming contradiction, I had to conclude that there can't be a contradiction because I don't think the Bible contradicts itself. So, what is being being meant by self-control as a spirit-produced fruit? Well, self-discipline or self-control refers to the self as the object of the discipline, not its source. Let me say that again. When Galatians 5.23 uses the phrase self-control, it's referring to self as the object of the control, not the cause of the control. So, the Holy Spirit produces in us the control capacity to take charge of ourselves. Man, that makes sense to me. Discipline is something that is spirit-produced because the spirit produces the control that we then exercise over ourself, which results in disciplined choices. The Holy Spirit is the motivation and the power to give us the control we need to discipline ourself or ourselves. So when the Bible says that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, it's not confusing self and Spirit. It's saying the Spirit 
enables us to control the self. And so self-control refers to the object that's being controlled, not its cause or its root or its motivation. Now, the Bible also uses different illustrations to teach about discipline, particularly in the context of Christian leadership or Christian life. For example, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 7, Paul uses three different analogies to describe Christian work and leadership. He says we're farmers, we're soldiers, and we're athletes. All three of those require discipline. Farmers are great examples of people who, going back to our definition, choose the long-term benefit over the immediate gratification. Man, think about what farmers do to make sure that months later they have the crop that's needed. Soldiers definitely model discipline. Again, uh, going back to our definition, they operate on reason rather than emotion. They function under orders, not under feelings. And then the third one, athletes, going back again to our definition, they function on principle rather than impulse. They understand that they have to function within the rules of the team and the rules of the game, and they have to learn how to do certain things, certain ways, not just what they are impulsively prompted to do in the moment. So these three examples of self-control These three examples of disciplined leadership and life help us to flesh out even more the definition. Farmers, soldiers, athletes. And then uh, Paul used in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, a couple of other examples. He used runners and boxers to illustrate the need for discipline. Now, all of this to say discipline is a spiritual issue. Don't misunderstand the podcast today. I'm not telling you work up more discipline. Go out and find more discipline. Go out and, uh, and by your own self-efforts, create a more disciplined life. No, no. I'm saying discipline is essential for leaders for reasons that I've already enumerated. But you're not left alone in fulfilling that need. No, the Holy Spirit is at work in you to empower you to control yourself. And when you are demonstrating control of self or what Galatians 5.23 calls self-control, you are a disciplined leader. Like a farmer, an athlete, a soldier, a runner or a boxer, you are demonstrating the kind of discipline needed to be effective in leadership. So you are now trusting the Spirit to empower you to control yourself. And in doing that, you are following these models that are described by these analogies given by Paul in these two different places in his writings. But now, let's take it to the next level, the next step. How can you practically work this out or live this out to enhance discipline in your life? Well, let me give you Uh, three or four suggestions. The first one is to master a difficult area. 
number of years ago, I determined that I needed to establish control over my appetite for food. And so I, over a period of, of a year, did a series of three fasts. Now, the purpose of fasting most of the time in the Bible is to establish a pattern of spiritual reflection and discovery and insight and maybe even seeking direction. But that's not why I did this fasting. Uh, this particular year that I did these three fasts was designed to enhance my control over my physical appetite, to master a difficult area. So I prayed and I asked for the Holy Spirit to give me strength, power, direction, uh, and the capacity to control myself. There's that self-control from Galatians 5.23 again. The capacity to control myself and how much food I uh, ate. The first fast lasted several days. Second, not as long. But then when the third one came, it was interesting. It was very easy to stop eating by the third one. I was very comfortable with the physical pain that came, came with that. I was very able to manage my uh, hunger pangs. I moved quickly past those. And after just a few days, realized I have achieved what I set out to do. I now control what I eat. Now, I've had to work on that at other times in my life, but that experience that I just told you about for about the next 20 years helped me. It established a pattern in my life that showed I could master a difficult thing. And so when other difficult things came up, I was able to reference back to that fasting experience and say, you know, this is difficult what I'm dealing with right now. Having the discipline to do this or to accomplish this or to fulfill this is really hard. But I know I can do it because I have mastered a difficult area before. I have mastered my own physical appetite for food. I've controlled it to the point where I can turn it on and I can turn it off. Because I can do that, I, I know that I'm also able to master these other areas. And that experience of mastering a difficult area really helped me in so many other areas over the next several years. When you master a difficult area, the discipline you demonstrate in doing that becomes a life skill or a life resource. It becomes something you can draw on as you face up to these other difficulties. And so, for example, when I faced new moral temptations or temptations to lash out in anger or temptations toward laziness or irresponsibility, I was able to reflect back and say, no, wait, I can overcome these things and I have the discipline to do this because I've already mastered a very challenging area. Now, let me say, if you're thinking about trying this, choose a difficult area for you. And don't try to do more than one of these at a time. Just choose one area and master it. It might be food. It might be something else. For example, you may decide to turn off your television for a year or a month or a week. 
You may decide to take a break from social media or the internet. You, you may decide any one of these kinds of things. You may decide to commit to physical fitness and to focus on that one thing, walking or rowing or cycling, and do it rain or shine, no matter what, day after day after day, until you've established it. All I'm saying is, you need to choose a difficult area for you. Don't just choose the one I chose or choose something that you think another person would, would, uh, would choose. Pick your own. And recognize this area is an area where I really struggle maintaining discipline. And I'm going to focus on this one area. And for the next year, let's just say 2024, for the next year, I want to make a project of mastering this area of my life. Watch what happens. When you do that, not only will you have greater mastery of that particular area, but you'll have what I call the spillover effect in that it will begin to show up in other areas where you're able to say, this is also hard, but because I've mastered this difficult area, I can do this as well. I can do this as well. I can do this as well. Now, don't let me overblow this and promise you that you will never have another struggle with discipline for the rest of your life. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just challenging you to master one difficult area and then watch the overflowing positive results that come from having done that. All right, a second way to practice discipline or to learn and demonstrate greater discipline is to choose a special project and work on it, maybe even with a group of people. Uh, there was a period of time uh, in the uh, late 1990s and early 2000s when I did this as my way of enhancing my self-discipline. Uh, we, I formed, a, I joined a group, for example, that was committed to scripture memory. There were about a dozen of us that uh, formed a scripture memory support group or accountability group, and we chose a passage of scripture every month, and we worked uh, in a group context of accountability to memorize that passage. Now, we did that in some creative ways. Back then, we didn't uh, have texting, so we used uh, voicemail. And so we would call each other, and we would leave voicemails uh, sharing the scriptures. And each month, we'd choose a different partner, and we would do those voicemail uh, rehearsals of our texts, and we would listen to each other, and we would help each other to learn our passages uh, by that means. Now, we only met together once a month because all of us were in different ministries and traveled and did different things. But once a month, we'd come together for lunch, and we'd spend an hour uh, rehearsing and talking about the scripture we had learned the previous month and saying it to one another and then saying it together as a group. And then we would choose our next passage for the following month and the, the translation that, the, that we were going to use uh, to do that from. And we did this for a year. And during that year, my scripture memory was significantly enhanced, and I worked hard on it, and I worked in this group environment, and I had an accountability that came from that. It was a really remarkable time of enhancing my discipline because, again, I worked on a project that required greater discipline, and once again, I had that spillover effect of discipline showed up in other areas because of this project. Another one of these that I did a, a year or two after that was a witnessing accountability group. Same kind of deal. About a dozen of us formed a group and said, let's hold each other accountable for sharing our faith in this next year. And let's really work to enhance our discipline of sharing the gospel with other people. And so we did that. And it was remarkable how much more focused I was on sharing my faith when I had the, a group helping me to enhance the discipline of doing that. Now, the, the 
there are several keys uh, to this kind of project approach. Uh, first of all, uh, get with a group of people that are realistic and are going to set realistic goals uh, and expect reasonable results. No one in any of these groups accomplished everything we set out to do for the whole year. But we stuck together. And most of the months, most of us got most of our scripture memorized. And in most months, most of us shared the gospel with someone because we were working on it diligently, but we had realistic goals and reasonable results. And we were willing to work in a group that facilitated that. We didn't have anybody in the group that was legalistic or overbearing or domineering or judgmental, but everyone providing the kind of support that we needed. Uh, another key for us was choosing a project that was challenging enough that we really had to have discipline to get it done and yet reasonable in a, again in its expectations. Look, none of us ever did it perfectly, but all of us made headway and de developed greater discipline because while we were doing something that was reasonable, it was also challenging. So be realistic, be transparent, have appropriate goals, get a good, get a good group together that can work together on something uh, uh, with balance. But when you work on a project like this, it enhances your discipline in a particular area and it advances your discipline in other areas by that spillover effect I've already mentioned. Okay, a third thing you can do to demonstrate discipline or to build more discipline in your life is to uh, build habits that work for you. I've jokingly said, uh, preaching uh, on this theme before, that when I was a boy, I had three annoying habits, biting my nails, resting my elbows on the table when I ate, and talking too much. And I have successfully overcome two of the three. Uh, the talking too much, I turned that into a career path. We all have bad habits, and we all work to overcome them. A habit is simply a built-in pattern of behavior that really requires little or no use of the will. You just do them automatically. It's an ingrained behavior. It's something that has just become part of you. You may have learned them subconsciously. They may have been part of your upbringing, um, influenced from your early social interactions or your family dynamics. But no matter what, you have habits. Now, you may assume that your habits will change as you become a more disciplined person. For me, the exact opposite has been true. My habits have not gotten stronger as I've become more disciplined. No, as I've focused more on discipline, I've developed better habits. For example, when I was a younger man, I really struggled with getting up in the morning and reading the Bible and praying. I just had a real hard time with that. I, I just did. But as I got a little older and I really wanted to work on it, I discovered that my problem wasn't lack of desire to read the Bible or pray, lack of availability for the Bible and prayer, lack of a plan to read the Bible and prayer. What I discovered was I was staying up so late every night that I just couldn't get up in the mornings on a reasonable schedule and have time to do the Bible reading and prayer before I hit my day. So I set this habit. I said, if I'm going to set, set this discipline, I said, if I'm going to develop the habit of morning Bible reading and prayer, I've got to enhance my discipline of going to bed at night. So I started going to bed earlier. 
And at first, it was a real challenge. But over time, the discipline of simply turning off the electronics, turning out the light, and going to bed, I started going to sleep earlier and waking up earlier and waking up earlier and being refreshed so that I could do that Bible reading and prayer that was so important to me. Now it's become an ingrained habit in the mornings to read the Bible and pray because I have the discipline, I had the discipline of going to bed earlier and making myself make that one disciplined choice eliminated all the problems I was having about maintaining those early morning habits. The real problem was lack of discipline on turning out the lights and the electronics, not lack of desire to read the Bible and pray. And then finally, another way that you can really work on um, control, uh, developing greater discipline as a leader is by learning to check your emotions and make decisions out of principle and reason. Now, there are two big emotions that plague leaders, grief and anger. When we're hurting or when we're upset, we tend to make bad decisions. And I challenge you today to set aside both of those as the motivators for your decision-making processes and to develop a recognition of when grief, meaning you're hurting because of some loss or some difficulty or some struggle in your life, or anger when you're lashing out because you feel threatened, because someone is uh, attacking you, because someone is opposing you, because something that matters to you or someone that matters to you is other assault. Whenever you're responding out of grief or anger, you will make choices that do not reflect your discipline. I recently had a situation where a person confronted me in public, and what I really wanted to say was to this particular employee, you're fired. But that would have been out of anger. As he was talking to me, I was realizing this is a young person. He's developing. He's learning. He's growing. He needs patience from me right now. That's the principle that's needed in this moment. And so patiently, I helped him understand a better way to approach me and a better way to solve the problem and to move forward from that particular situation. That was a principled response that required discipline in the moment. All I'm saying is that discipline is undercut when you let anger or grief drive your decision-making. Discipline means you make a choice, make a choice of how you're going to respond in a situation. And those choices get easier as you develop discipline by mastering a difficult area or by working on a project or by uh, uh, developing better habits. When you do those things, you'll find that spillover effect will help you in this last area of making decisions out of something other than grief or anger. Well, I've tried to give you an overview today of what it means to be more disciplined as a ministry leader. Discipline is essential for leaders. I laid that out at the beginning of the podcast. But you're not left alone to develop more discipline. The Holy Spirit is at work in you to bear fruit, and one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Not meaning that you have to come up in yourself with more control, but that the Spirit will produce the capacity for you to control yourself as the object of the control, not the generator of it. I've given you some suggestions down the last part of the podcast of some practical things you can do to enhance discipline in your life 
and as you trust the Holy Spirit to give you the power to do so. Put these things into practice. Develop more discipline as a leader as you lead on.